series on the good and beautiful community. And the topic for today and also for next week is something that we do every week when we gather as the GRX community. The thing that we do is worship. And so this week and next week, the topic is the church as the worshiping community. As a pastor, sometimes I talk with people about church, what's a church, and all this kind of stuff. And sometimes I get these sorts of questions. Like every Sunday you gather for, quote-unquote, a worship service. But I get these questions. And I don't know if any of you have these questions, but here are some questions I get sometimes about the church. What is worship? Why should I worship? I mean, my life's going pretty good. Why, sh- why should I worship? Or sometimes I get this question, which is a little bit more honest. People say, uh, my life actually feels so blah. I'm just like in the grind. My life feels so blah. A- and yet the picture of worship that I see other people have is so vibrant or so passionate. What do I do with this disconnect? What do I do with the reality that I feel inside me? And yet I know that the church is supposed to be this worshiping community, and this picture I have is supposed to be like, whoa, super passionate. And yet sometimes I'm just like, uh, I barely made it here. I barely got here. What do I do with that? And I think the question is, follow Jesus Christ, or even if you're exploring what it means to follow Jesus Christ, the question is, is there joy here? How do I find joy? Why do I need to worship? What is worship? Let me enter worship with sort of a bit of a negative example. But it comes from J.R.R. Tolkien and the Lord of the Rings. Because I think Tolkien captures really something very poignant about worship here, even though it's kind of on the negative side. So there's this character in the Lord of the Rings series, and his name is Gollum. In the books, you know the movies, you kind of know where I'm going with this. And he has this little object, and he calls it, my precious. You know the story, what this thing is in Lord of the Rings, it's the ring of power. It's the one great ring. And he, 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 he caresses it, he loves it, he looks at it. And he strokes it and he calls it my precious. He's devoted to it. He's committed to it. His whole will and attention and mind is bent on it. And he keeps it. He keeps it close to him all the time. But here's the problem with Gollum and this ring of power. The ring that he calls my precious is evil. It's pure evil. And he centers his life around it. But because it's evil, it's corrupting him. It does give him a little bit of something. It gives him a benefit, like it extends his life. But it's corrupting his heart and his soul and his mind. And here, Tolkien captures some incredible ideas that are true about worship. He captures this idea that that we as people, even Gollum as a creature... We are made for worship. We're going to worship something. We're going to worship something in our lives. But then Tolkien also captures this thing. It's important what the object of our worship actually is. 
is the thing that we worship, is it good? Is the thing that we worship, is it evil? Because what we choose to worship will affect who we are and also who we become. And that's what you see in the life of Gollum. He worships this ring of power and it's evil. And you see the effect that it has on his life. So we're going we're to unpack worship from these different perspectives. We're going to look at some scripture to look at what is worship? Why should I worship? Where do I find joy? How do I find joy in worship? Now, before we get into that, what I'd like for us to do is I'd like to throw out for us a congregational, a community question. Now, I'm going to ask you guys to participate in this message in this way. Uh, in a little bit, I'm going to ask you to get into a group of about four or five people that are just right around where you are, four or five people, and you may not know them. So the first thing I'm going to ask you to do with these four or five people is to just simply go around and share your names. Say, hi, my name's Scott. And just go around and, hi, nice to meet you. Welcome, welcome to GRX, welcome to worship. And then what I'd like you guys to just brainstorm together and do together is answer this question. What do people worship? What do people worship? Not necessarily you, not necessarily, so don't feel like judged or implicated or anything. Just what do people out in community, your coworkers, people that you know in your family, what do people worship? And it's a little bit like what Jen was sharing with the creative part with the kids is what, what do people put first in their lives? What are people dedicated to? What are people committed to? What, what, are, what is precious to people? You can just name that, and you can name a bunch of things. That'll, that'll, that'll get us into this question of what do people worship? So you got that? Groups of four or five, share your name, and then the question, what do people worship? All right, we'll take about three minutes to do this. On your marks, get set, go. All right, let me ask you guys to come on back here. I heard some, I heard some people talking, engaging. I heard some people, I heard some people laughing. I heard some people kind of joking around a little bit. And so let me, let me take a little bit more of a poll of our community here. And um, I'm going to ask a couple of people, maybe three. We'll see, we'll see how many people do this. But could, uh, could, a, could a couple of courageous people uh, shoot your hand up and share just some of the things that your group shared about? They don't have to be your own things. Again, you don't have to implicate anybody in your group. Just share some things. I know we already heard some of the kids already say video games. We already heard some of that stuff. And um, so just shoot your hand up. And I just want to hear so that we can hear. And Susie is going to let you talk in the mic. Go, Shin. Somebody in the group, um, her husband, loves Jeremy Lin. Oh, so she's she. Let me help. Let me understand this, Shin. So she, is it that that Jeremy Lin is someone that can that is we worship Jeremy Lin? People worship Jeremy Lin. Yeah, yeah. All right. I I can I can see that. 
I actually, for a time, went through my own Jeremy Lin worship experience. <laughs> um, I loved it. And then, and then he got, did that thing with his hair. And I'm just like, oh, bro, man, come on, come on. Tony? Yeah, I just want to say that I, too, love Jeremy Lin. <laughs> All right. All right. I see where this message is going. <laughs> no, no, seriously. Um, we had stuff related to um, career, money. Houses, mm-hmm. warriors, mm-hmm. Uh, but not all of it was overtly bad. We talked about like kids and family as well. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not, and I'm not drawing this black and white line between these are the good things that we worship, these are the bad things that we worship. It's very much our life is filled with good things and bad things, and we can center our lives on good things or bad things. We can be devoted to one and not the other, and all of this, right? So we're talking honestly here. We're talking authentically. How do we, as thinking people, faithful people, how do we engage in a real way this question of worship? Yeah, yeah. Not to do the straw man thing of like, oh, money's bad, power's bad. Like, how do we really engage? What do we actually worship? Worshiping family, kids. How is that good? How is that bad? Anything else? Anybody else here want to throw in something else? We got sports figures, we got, we got some career stuff, and so, um, yeah, Tony. So, uh... I mean, what? I'm sorry, Tim, sorry. Pokemon Go? <laughs> Pokemon yeah. Go! And, and another one is, uh, it's interesting, like, right now we're in this age where everyone thinks their opinion matters, so I think self-worship and, like, YouTube being a vehicle of voicing your opinion. Yeah. I mean, those are key things there. Worship, like worship of self, like my opinion. My opinion is the only thing that matters. Um, a lot of criticism out there because of, you know, because my opinion matters. I put that first above other things, you know, against, uh, over and against being humble or being teachable or learning. Yeah. Any last person just go, ah, I just want to share this. I think this is what I see people around me worshiping. I just want to give voice to this. Anybody else? Okay, one, one more right here. Oh, oh, two more? Okay, two more real quick. Right here and here. Ministries. What was that? Ministries. Ministries? ministries. Yeah. If you put ministry above God, then ministry becomes... That's a, good, that's, that's a huge thing. Sometimes like ministries or the program of a church. Like that thing. I worship that thing. If that thing doesn't happen, then I'm, you know, I'm out of here worshiping the ministry of the program. That's really good. And then one more, there's just one more person over here. Yeah, Susie was bringing the mic around. Yeah. So we also said um, work and money and Pokemon Go, uh, but there's also a worship of Trump these days too, so. Yeah, yeah. And I'll just expand that too to like worship of, uh, of uh, celebrities, worship of politicians, I think the thing in this presidential cycle, kind of the worship of or looking for a savior. Who will save us? Who will save our country? Who will save our lifestyle? Who will save our, you know, our affluence, right? So all of these things, worship. So let me, let me move into something that I'm trying to... Um, impress upon us because every Sunday when we get here, the object of our worship is God. 
is the Heavenly Father. We come together to worship God revealed in Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and Savior. And worship ultimately is good. Worship is ultimately good for who we are, for us as human beings. It's good for our soul if what is centered, what is the center of our worship is itself ultimately good. Let me say that again. Worship for us is ultimately good for our souls and our well-beings if our worship is centered on something or someone that is ultimately good. What is the person or the thing that is at the center of our worship? And what I'm saying here is that when we come before the God of heaven, who is holy and is good and loving, forgiving and merciful and generous and gracious, and we come and we center our lives on God and we affirm through song and through scripture and through prayer and through fellowship God's goodness, it actually works like a way to wash out the gunk in our soul. It washes out the navel-gazing and the criticism and the contemptuous and the conflicted spirit. It washes out places of self-pity or self-condemnation. And we center again on the reality of the God who really, really loves us and who has our well-being in mind. It pushes back all the other things in our lives that we center our lives on, whether athletes or games or political figures or our achievement or our careers or money or houses. It pushes the worship, all all of that back because all of those things ultimately won't satisfy the thing that we desire in our lives. All those things won't satisfy. We worship them, we think they will, but they really won't. And God himself replaces all of the gunk with himself. That there is a reality of God's eternal kingdom operative now, and we are all invited to live in the reality and the assurance of that right now. We are invited to live in that right now. And the avenue with with which we move into that space in our hearts and our minds and our bodies is through worship, through being the worshiping community. And we acknowledge that the reality of God is more real than all of the other reality that we see around us. Let me get into this more specifically as we look at Psalm chapter 95, verses 1 through 5. These are five verses on the worship of God and actually an expression of worship. It says this, Psalm 95, 1 through 5. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. This is this eternal kingdom, the security and assurance we have in God. We are saved. We are a saved people right now. 
Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. It means above all powers, above all these other things that we think will save us. God is above all of these things. In his hands are the depths of the earth and the heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us sing to the Lord. We're focusing our lives, our attention, this worship time on God. And there's three things that come up out of Psalm 95 that I think are essential if we're going to worship the true God. And those three things I put in three words, they're actually three verbs. And the three things, the three verbs are name, make, and come. Name, make, and come. These are three things that Psalm 95 invites us to do. First of all, name. We're going to worship God. We're going to worship the true God. We have to have a clear focus of what or who we are worshiping. We come and worship specific person, our Heavenly Father. We come and worship God. I was thinking it's a little bit like if you go to a sporting event, and worship is a little bit like cheering for your sports team. Yeah, I know, I know um, like Jeremy Lin came up a bunch. I know people will, will cheer for, and, and like the Warriors, very specific. You might be a Giants fan, you worship, for, you worship and cheer for Buster Posey, or maybe like Stephen Vogt, if you're an A's fan. There's kind of a funny thing, um, if, if you're an Oakland A's fan, you go to a game, you would know this. When Stephen Vogt comes up to bat, there are people out in the right field bleachers that start singing a hymn of praise for Stephen Vogt. When he comes up to bat and steps in the batter's box, the worshiping psalm is I believe in Stephen Vote. I believe in Stephen Vote. And they are cheering this and praising Stephen Vote. Now that's like worship because it's very specific. They name the person of their worship. You don't go to a sporting event and you go, Woohoo! Yay! Random athlete! You don't go, Hey, go for it, you unnamed player. You don't cheer like that. You cheer for specific people. You cheer for specific people. And worship, we name specifically what we worship. And that's one of the reasons why I had you guys just talk about it. What do people worship? Because when we name it, we can realize specifically what is at the center What do I base my life around? What am I dedicated to? What am I devoted to? What do I cheer for? What do I hope in? What am I crushed about if it's taken from me? That's the thing that we worship. That's the thing. We name it. And in Psalm 95, it says, let us sing to the Lord. And in your Bible, if you look, it's all capital letters, the Lord. Yahweh, it's the great God above all gods. So we name, we name that the Lord 
is great. We name that God is great. And he's great above all gods. All gods. Now, ancient Israel would be reading this psalm. Ancient Israel would be looking at this, this song of praise and worship and say, yes, we live in a polytheistic culture. Ancient Israel lived in a polytheistic culture. So our God is a great God. We worship this God above all the other gods that are out there. That's what ancient Israel would say. I would say today, we also live in a polytheistic culture, but we just name our gods differently. We name our gods other things like money or career or achievement or title or, and you go on and on and on, all these other things that we hope for, we put our trust in, all these other powers in the world. But followers of Jesus Christ say, we put our allegiance and our trust in the one true God. All these other things have power, like ancient Israel and polytheism. All these other things, there are these other gods, there are other things that have power. But our worship and our trust is in the true God. So naming, naming, worship begins with naming. And then this psalm invites us to make. Make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. What I take from that is that worship is enacted. Make, like make with your hands, make with your body, make with your voice. Make that our worship itself is enacted. So it's not just our minds or just our hearts, but that our bodies ourselves, we as a complete being, participate in the worship of God. Now, traditionally here on Sunday, what we do when, when we worship together is we sing. And that's what the psalm says, sing. We also stand up. But worship can also take the place, take the form of kneeling. We can also even raise our hands in worship as a sign and expression of our devotion and our surrender and are giving ourselves to God. It is creating this space, enacting even in our bodies, a way that we worship God. Now, I'm going to just throw this out there because maybe we're, you know, we're going to go and do some worship more. We're going to sing some more songs after this. But maybe you're like, what? Like, kneeling or raising my hands? I would never do that at GRX. I would never do that because I don't want to look stupid. I don't want to look foolish. Uh, I, you know, and, 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 and there's a self-consciousness there. And, and, you know, and so I'm just going to kind of tease this out a little bit for us because, I, you know, I feel self-conscious sometimes too. Um, and I know sometimes people feel self-conscious. But our bodies can be allies with us. Our bodies can assist us and bring us into worship. Clapping has a participatory part with our worship. Raising our hands, kneeling, all contributes to worship. Now, let me tell you this little funny thing about what happens. It'll especially happen when you're older, like the wisdom of being older. It's about being self-conscious, okay? 
So when, when you hit your 20s, um, you, you often are very self-conscious. You know, you're like, you're worried about what other people are thinking about you. You feel like a lot of people are looking at you in your 20s and you're afraid of being judged and all that kind of stuff. So you're very self-conscious when you're in your 20s. When you hit your 40s, your middle age, you're like, man, I am more of a formed human being. You know, I'm, I'm pretty confident in who I am. I don't give a rip about what other people think about me. I'm going to do what I want to do. That's in your 40s. You know what happens when you're in your 60s? Once you hit your 60s, I'm going to get a witness here from my brother in his 60s. <laughs> once, once you hit your 60s, you actually realize no one was paying attention to you anyway. Huh? Yeah? They don't really care about you. They didn't even care about you. You thought they did, but they didn't. Then you thought they cared, but you were going to do what you wanted anyway. Then you realize they don't really care about you. Our worship is about coming before God. So what do you want to make with your body in worship? What do you want to make with your body? Don't worry about what other people are thinking about you. It's between you and God, and we worship together in community. The last thing is this. The last thing is come. The last thing is an invitation to come. Come into his presence. It's an invitation. That's what worship is. Worship is an invitation to come into God's presence. Come into the presence of the living God who knows all about you and loves you. Come into his presence. Come as honestly as you can into the presence of God. As honestly as you can. Not as you think you should or not as you think other people are doing it. As honestly as you can come into the presence of God. Now, how does that make you feel? To come into the presence of God. It might make you feel like you're coming into the principal's office. Like, oh, I don't want to come into the presence of God. That kind of fills me with dread. I'm going to feel so guilty. I'm going to get in there and God's going to tell me about everything I did wrong. And I'm going to feel really judged. That's not what it is to come into the presence of God. That might be what it is to come into the presence of other people, but that's not what it is to come into the presence of God. You might feel scared. You might be like, I don't know. I don't know what I might find if I honestly come into the presence of God, honestly with my heart and my mind. I just come in the presence of God. You might feel scared. Or you might feel like, I don't know. I don't know. I come to GRX and I don't really feel anything when I come. And maybe you just feel like kind of a spectator, like you're kind of watching it on TV. Like all those other people up there are worshiping. I'm just kind of hanging back here. They're just kind of doing their worship thing up there. I'm just kind of here. But you don't feel anything. Or you might come and say, you know, God, there's a lot of stuff that I put before you. My self-image, put all this other stuff. Help me just come as honestly I, I can before you. And see how God shows up as you come into that space. Because 
Our God is a God who loves you, wants you to know that you are accepted completely for who you are. Our God wants to embrace you with his arms and love you. So my question is, as we come into worship, will you let yourself be loved by God? Will you accept the invitation to come into worship and let yourself be embraced by God and to leave and to surrender and to let go of all of the other stuff that we might put first to let yourself be invited into God's Holy Spirit, into His presence. That's why I'm so thankful for our worship team. I mean, Jason's leading us this week and Ray's led us before and Randall, all these folks that are up here and Micah and everybody's up here is because they have prepared music, they've prayed, they've prepared these songs, all for the purpose of leading us as a community into the presence of God. And what we do is we name the reality of who God is, we make song, joy, fellowship, community, together in worship, and then they as a team, invite us, all of us, to come in to worship. That's what we do. That's what they do every week. And I don't know if your life is like most people I talk to, but a lot of people I talk to feel like the rest of their life out there, there's a lot of stuff that they have to deal with that's just really hard. And Sunday morning can be for us a time where we are recharged and renewed and refocused on the reality of God who loves you, who knows you, who accepts you, and who wants to fill you with his power and his love and his assurance. And one of the ways we enter into that is through our time of worship. That's how we enter into it, through our worship. So what we're going to do here, this message is over. We're going to go, I'm going to pray, and the worship team is going to come and lead us. going to continue to lead us in song. And I simply invite you to recognize, we're going to name some things that are true about God. We're going to make a joyful noise and worship together. And then I just invite you, as honestly as you can, you to come into God's presence. If you want to open your hands like this, it's an expression bodily of receiving from God's Spirit. I invite you to do that. If you want to close your eyes, I invite you to do that. Sometimes it's even easier to close your eyes because you're even less aware that anybody might be looking at you. If you're feeling weird, But just know, nobody's really paying attention to you anyway. But God's paying attention to you. And he loves you. And he's given you and us the gift of worshiping him. So let me pray, and then we'll continue to worship together. Let me pray. Lord God, we come and we um, are just ourselves. And you know what our week was like and all the stuff that's swirling around in our brains. You know all of that. 
And so, God, I pray that we just might be able to come before you as honestly as we can and just be ourselves and come into your presence. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would be poured out on our body here, that you would fill us with your spirit, that you would let us know how much you love us, how much you forgive us. God, I thank you for our worship team and the preparation that they've made. So we pray, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come and be in our presence. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.